0: This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Darrell Chetka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. In the mid 1960s, Dr. Henry Lynch first described a condition characterized as the cancer family syndrome in which members of families demonstrated an increased risk of a variety of malignancies. This eventually became known as Lynch syndrome. Lynch syndrome is a genetic disorder. It can be the underlying cause of premature colon cancer, as well as other malignancies. There are some clues to its presence and specific recommendations for managing patients with the condition. Today, we're going to learn more about Lynch syndrome from our guest, Dr. Eric Dozois, a colorectal surgeon at the Mayo Clinic. Eric, thank you for joining us today. Pleasure to be here. How common is Lynch syndrome? Is the actual prevalence known? Lynch syndrome is the
1: most common cause of inherited colorectal cancer. And recent estimates suggest that as many as one in every 300 people may have a gene defect associated with Lynch syndrome. And if all patients in the United States, for example, were in, were to undergo appropriate screening, it could lead to about 12,000 patients per year diagnosed with Lynch syndrome.
0: So it's not common, but it's I wouldn't call it rare either. It's very likely that uh, we as primary care providers might see a patient or two with Lynch syndrome in our career
1: Yes. It's the kind of syndrome that I think is under-recognized currently. And the more we are aware of it and the more we understand it, the more I think we're going to see it, all Mm -hmm. physicians at every
0: level. Are there some populations who are at increased risk of having it?
1: Not that I know of. It doesn't tend to be seen in certain parts of the country or certain genders uh, or ethnic groups as far
0: as uh, I know. What does it do to one's life expectancy? Is there a a change as a result of having this condition?
1: Yeah, there's really two groups of patients with Lynch syndrome. One is a group that has a known cancer. And the other group is one that has a gene mutation that causes uh, Lynch syndrome, but they don't have cancer. And so if we look at the group that has cancer, they would have a decreased life expectancy compared to patients uh, that don't have the syndrome. And it's really based on the things that we look at for cancer outcome. The group that has the mutation but no cancer with appropriate surveillance and screening, they can have a very good life expectancy compared to the rest of the population as long as the cancers
0: can be prevented or treated early. Is there anything different about the colon cancer that the patients develop? Is it typically at an earlier age or maybe a different location in the colon than the general population?
1: Yes, it is. And this is one way that we can identify these patients or recognize that they might be Lynch patients because colon cancer in the setting of Lynch syndrome tends to develop about 20 years earlier than non-Lynch syndrome patients. So we call this the young onset group. We would say that 50 or younger is, is that young onset group. Now, having said that, you could be 70 and have Lynch syndrome and present at that time. It's not an exact thing, but uh, many patients will be on that younger age group. And then the location of the cancers are also different than what we see with non-Lynch patients. With non-Lynch patients, colon cancer tends to develop more frequently on the left side of the colon. And in Lynch syndrome patients, it tends to be on the right side. So right-sided cancers are more common in the Lynch population.
0: So more proximal colon cancer, typically. Yeah. Okay. So let's say a patient knows they have Lynch syndrome. Are they destined to get colon cancer? So do all patients with it develop the malignancy?
1: Uh, They don't all develop it. Part of the risk has to do with what mutation they have as part of this genetic syndrome. And it ranges anywhere between 12% and 90%. And that risk profile depends on your gender. It depends on on which gene is affected or mutated and the penetrance of that mutation across families. So that gives us some idea of who's at the highest risk. Mm -hmm. And some patients will never get cancer with appropriate screening and intervention.
0: Well, when we screen typical patients for colon cancer, we're really looking for adenomatous polyps. So do these patients as a mechanism for getting their colon cancer develop more frequent polyps than the average person?
1: They don't tend to develop more polyps. There are some genetic syndromes where you develop many more polyps than the average risk patient like uh, familial polyposis syndrome. They don't necessarily develop more polyps, but the polyps or the characteristics of the polyps are different. They tend to be larger, flatter and in the more proximal colon as I said. The other unique feature about Lynch syndrome compared to non-Lynch patients is that the time from the polyp becoming a cancer is much shorter. So in non-Lynch patients, we think about a 10 to 15 year natural history from polyp to cancer and Lynch syndrome patients it might be as short as three years.
0: Hmm. But the colon cancer still originates from polyps. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, It's known that Lynch syndrome not only causes an increased risk of colon cancer, but other malignancies. Uh, And what are those?
1: Yeah, so it's actually quite a long list of extracolonic malignancies. Out of that long list, the most common is going to be endometrial cancer in women. That's going to be the most common uh, other malignancy. Other ones that we see uh, occur in the ovaries, the stomach, the small bowel, patobiliary system, the genital urinary system, brain tumors, and even skin cancers. And there's some newer evidence that suggests that there may be an elevated risk in patients with Lynch syndrome to develop prostate and breast cancer,
0: but that data is not completely well sorted out yet. So there's a wide variety, and I really can't think of anything that they all have in common that uh, you could look for.
1: No, someone may present for example, with a endometrial cancer or a skin cancer, and it may have characteristics that are consistent with Lynch syndrome and the colon cancer. So there are some consistencies there that could tie together the syndrome.
0: So if a patient develops one of these cancers, are they at increased risk of developing others?
1: They really all have a lifetime risk of getting any one of those cancers there aren't sort of patterns within the groups apart from the more elevated risk of endometrial cancer in women. So getting small bowel cancers or brain tumors or or genital urinary cancers happen just at a low frequency, but it's pretty much the same across all Lynch syndrome patients.
0: So if we get a patient with Lynch syndrome in our office, When should we suspect that? What clues might they give us that we should think about this condition?
1: Probably the most helpful clue is the family history. And many physicians are very good about taking a family history. And it's really critical to identify Lynch syndrome patients. If we know the whole list of tumors associated with the syndrome, and a physician could then ask specifically, do you have a family history of, of malignancy? And you say, yes, well, you know, what are those types of malignancies? And then if there's a pattern, small bowel cancer with colon or endometrial with colon, then that's really a good way to, to identify a possible Lynch
0: patient. And so, so
1: family history is very
0: important. So it's known that this is a genetic condition. How much do we know about the genetics? Are this Is a specific abnormality known?
1: Yeah, we know quite a bit now about the genetics, and this has been studied for a number of years. And the genetic abnormality is really, a, is damage to the, what we call the DNA mismatch repair genes. So when specific sequences in the gene code need repair, these mismatch repair genes come in and repair them. And so if these mismatch repair genes are absent, Then the DNA is transcribed in an abnormal way, leading to malignant pathways. This abnormality leads to what we call microsatellite instability. And so the repair genes are really there to maintain the genomic integrity by correcting these base substitution mismatches. And so if those are absent, then this creates a pathway from normal tissue to malignancy. And there has been some genes that have been specifically identified, these mismatch repair genes. For example, MLH1 is one gene, MSH2, MSH6, PMS2, uh, and deletions in the Epcam gene are all genes that are responsible for mismatch repair difficulties in the patient.
0: So if we have a patient where we might suspect Lynch syndrome, let's say uh, they have a personal history of developing a colon cancer, maybe in their early Mm -hmm. forties, maybe their family history is not known, maybe they were adopted. Can we do genetic studies to uh, determine if they have Lynch syndrome?
1: We can. There's some very good testing uh, available and it can really just be done from a blood sample. And so these genes, the ones that I mentioned earlier, those can be tested for through genetic testing. What typically happens in the clinical practice is that when we have a patient with a tumor, for example, we'll take a piece of that tumor and we can actually test the tumor itself uh, using what's called immunohistochemistry or PCR, which is polymerase chain reaction. And we can actually look for protein expression related to the mismatch repair gene. And so it's an indirect way to identify patients that would have Lynch syndrome. It's not true genetic testing, But once those are identified, then one could go through the process of specific genetic testing. And that's what we do for families. So when one patient has an MSH2 deficiency, now we can be very specific and go to test that in the family members to see if they have the syndrome.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, we're seeing more and more patients who are now subscribing to these commercially available genetic tests that they can do at home. Do you know if some of these commercially available tests can pick up Lynch syndrome?
1: Yeah, I've kind of tried to keep on my radar, you know, what's out there. There's a lot of stuff now, like the 23andMe and some of these other things. Right. I'm not aware of any commercially available tests that a patient could, you know, take at home themselves and say, oh, I'm at elevated risk for Lynch syndrome. Probably for patients, the best way to see if they're at elevated risk is to know their family history, if they can find that out. Uh, but I'm not aware of any commercially available tests.
0: Okay. Okay. Is there anything that's known that can reduce the risk of malignancy once a patient knows they have lynch syndrome?
1: yeah, so again if they if a patient presents with a lynch syndrome cancer, then of course we treat the cancer depending on the stage um, with the usual pathways that we treat for cancer. We do know that one cancer that's lynch based you know we know that they're at risk for all these other cancers, so the patient will then go into us appropriate screening or surveillance program, and that's very important to help prevent the patient from getting those other types of cancers or knowing that there may be one there that's early. For example, endometrial cancer for women, if we find a colon cancer, then we'd be looking very carefully for an early endometrial cancer or put them in a surveillance program for that. Now, if we are going to do surgery on a patient, for example, with colon cancer, and it's a woman who's past childbearing age, we have the discussion about prophylactic surgery. We can do prophylactic surgery for doing a hysterectomy, for example, so they don't get endometrial cancer, which the risk is almost 50% in some patients with Lynch syndrome, so it's very high. And then the rest of the colon, too, is at risk for getting colon cancer, what we call metachronous cancers. Uh, We treat one cancer, and then two years later, they come back with another cancer. And so in this way, we reduce the risk overall of their malignancy-associated death related to Lynch syndrome. The patients that don't have any cancer but are known genetic you know are mutation carriers, they go into a very strict surveillance um, and screening pathway to make sure that we're, we're watching them really carefully and intervening when we can, early, to avoid cancer or to treat them at an early
0: stage. So let's talk about that in terms of how patients with the condition can be managed. Let's start with a patient who has a known colon cancer. Are those patients treated surgically any different than the non-Lynch colon cancers?
1: All the same principles are applied to someone with a Lynch syndrome colon cancer that we would use for any cancer in terms of the conduct of the surgery, the appropriate lift nodes and margins, et cetera. The only different conversation we have with a patient with known Lynch syndrome and why it's important to know before the surgery about their diagnosis is the conversation about prophylactic completion collectively. So if the risk for getting a second colon cancer is as high as 30 or 40%, we talk about doing removing their entire colon and thereby reducing their risk. And in women, we talk about doing a hysterectomy again, if they're past childbearing age. So this is how we approach Lynch syndrome patients differently. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to know that ahead of the surgery and have that conversation because there's pros and cons of doing those things.
0: So let's say we have a patient, we've diagnosed Lynch syndrome. They have not yet had a colon cancer. How often should they have colonoscopies?
1: So because of what I mentioned earlier, where the we call the adenoma to carcinoma sequence is so much, that timeline is so much shorter. We do recommend a colonoscopy starting at the age of 20. Again, these are young onset cancers um, and we want to get these polyps so we can remove the polyps and prevent the cancer. So we recommend doing colonoscopy starting at age 20, every one to two years. So quite frequently.
0: And how about screening for endometrial cancer? Ultrasound adequate or is there a
1: Everything I've read about endometrial cancer screening suggests that it can be difficult. It's it's not an easy cancer to screen for. And unfortunately, they may not be found early because of that. But the current recommendation right now is that that at age 30, women are screened using a pelvic exam, transvaginal ultrasound. And some people suggest doing tumor markers like the CA-125.
0: Okay. How about upper GI malignancies, esophageal, stomach? Uh, should they receive screening as well?
1: They should. And what we recommend for that is uh, starting at age 30, about every two to four years, getting an upper endoscopy to look at the esophagus and to look at the stomach.
0: And you already mentioned uh, prophylactic surgery, for example, mm-hmm. in a postmenopausal female for the uterus and probably mm-hmm. the ovaries as well, I assume. Yes. All right. Well, let's summarize. Can you give us uh, maybe two or three key points of importance regarding our discussion on Lynch syndrome?
1: Yeah, I guess I would summarize by saying that, you know, there's several current strategies that exist to identify at-risk patients for Lynch syndrome. And I think awareness is the biggest key. I think all physicians, and especially primary care physicians who you know are doing a lot of the screening and taking detailed family history, that that awareness about the syndrome and ways to identify it are, are there and that those should be certainly followed through on. Once there's a concern about a patient having Lynch syndrome, there's very good molecular testing pathways now to really sort out, do they have it? Do they not have it? Which gene is affected? What their risk profile looks like? And so it's a very important pathway uh, that's in place and genetic counseling can be extremely important to interpret these tests because they can be quite complex. And the last thing I would say is that only with this increased awareness, identification of patients and families and the strict adherence to the guidelines, will we decrease the morbidity and mortality in Lynch patients and their families. I've had several Lynch patients over the years who I, we identified uh, as the first patient with known Lynch in that family. We sent the family off for testing. Someone was tested, was positive, had a screening test, found an early endometrial cancer, for example, and were cured because of early detection. So it's very important to not only the patient, but their family.
0: Well, this condition is certainly common enough that we should be aware of it, and with the genetic studies, we should be able to uh, diagnose it, and certainly uh, the management of these patients is much, much different than the average patient in terms of their screening recommendations. Well, we've been discussing Lynch syndrome with Dr. Eric Dozois, colorectal surgeon from the Mayo Clinic. Eric, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today.
1: Thank you, Daryl. I enjoyed it.